Geekish Cast, episode 96, Bigfoot with a Broadsword. Welcome back to Geekish Cast. I'm your host, Jeremy, and co-hosting with me tonight is Paul Vieira. How are you doing, Paul? Very well. How are you, Jeremy? Doing well, thank you. So about oh, a week and a half ago, I'm sitting at a wine tasting, three bottles of wine into the night, and I get a text from you mm-hmm. telling me about a book. Um, and when I got home, I had to rush by the book, and joining us tonight is the author of that book, Josh Enneman. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. How's everybody awesome. doing? <laughs> doing quite well. Why don't Josh? Why don't you give us the quick pitch and title of your book? That way, people will understand why I was in such a rush to buy it. All right. Well, uh, the title pretty much sells the whole thing. It's called Bigfoot Sword of the Earthman, and the way I pitch it to people, it's Bigfoot with a broadsword, kind of a Conan meets Flash Gordon with Bigfoot on an alien planet. Yeah, that's all it took. I was sold <laughs> right then and there. Those were the exact words when I met Josh at a con, and I walked past his booth. And I was like, oh, what's your book about? And he said, Bigfoot with a broadsword. And I was just like, <laughs> sold. Say no more. <laughs> Here's my money. Please take yeah. it. Yeah. It is the easiest thing I've ever had to pitch. I'm like, this is, you know, this is great. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I was struck with the brilliance of it so much. I was like, how did nobody get this before? Yeah. It, uh, when I first got the idea for it, I was like, I, uh, and I searched, I looked at, you know, high and low to see if, Hey, Bigfoot as a barbarian, has it been done? And nobody had. And I was like, I got to run with this. I've, <laughs> this is a, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Was there a singular Genesis to this idea or was it something like you just woke up in the middle of the night and don't know where the thought came from? No, I actually, uh, I actually got the idea back in, uh, 2009 and it was a photo, a NASA photo. It was the, uh, the Spirit Rover actually photographed what looked like uh, somebody sitting on some rocks. And it was, you know, blurry little image. So, you know, the media picked up on it. And they're like, oh, it's Bigfoot. Bigfoot's on Mars. So yep. if you Google Bigfoot on Mars, you actually find the NASA JPL image that it's based on. So I, uh, I came across that image one day and immediately I got the idea for the for the story and i wrote um i don't know if you've had a chance to read it yet but that inside, yes i have that inside yeah. flap where it says you first know, two the, pages yeah the dying planet you know needed a hero i immediately wrote that within 15 minutes of seeing that photo and from there i mean so you know that photo sparked it and i just you know went flying with it that's awesome. Well, you and you use that shot actually to kind of set up your yeah. uh, your book. Yeah, yeah. Pages. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really a striking image the way you set that whole thing up. Yeah. Plus, I can always tell people that it's you know based on actual events now, so it's got this is true. Got that little hook. <laughs> this is very true. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess the question I got to ask. Well, let me set this up first. So. When I saw the Patterson-Gemlin footage as a kid, and to this day, I swear that's a real animal. Oh, yeah. I know uh, it's frame 352. It's the most famous yeah. Uh, frame, yeah. Exactly. And I was going to say, I, I get a feeling just from looking at your website 
and reading this book that you might be similar to me in that way. Yeah, uh, yeah, because I'm a, a kid of the 70s, so growing up in the Midwest in Iowa, uh, I saw, God, what was the, it was the Leonard Nimoy uh, in, search in Search Of. of. Yeah, that's where I first saw that footage, and as a kid, it scared the crap out of me. You know, it's you know, this grainy little footage of this, you know, this hairy thing walking across the screen, and it stuck with me for years. And I've always been a fan of uh, this, you know, Bigfoot, you know, Sasquatch. And so much so that uh, in 2005, I, uh, I had to go down to a film festival in Texas. And then I bought my ticket, bought everything. And then all of a sudden I discovered that there was a Bigfoot conference going on just a week uh, earlier. And so I'm like, let me see. This was pre, you know, uh, didn't have any problems switching everything. I'm like, you know what? Let's uh, let's see if I can switch. You know, switch the tickets. Got the tickets changed. Went down there a week earlier to go to a Bigfoot conference well, in uh, Texas, and it was amazing. I loved it. Uh, so yeah, I've been a big big fan for years. Yeah. <laughs> when when my kids were young, we lived in uh, Santa Cruz for years, and um, that's you know, for people who don't know, it's in the Monterey Bay here in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a forested area outside of it, and a guy has built a Bigfoot museum there. Oh. I, I used to love to take the kids there, oh. and I, I bought all the books that went with the trip, too, you know. I, uh, I'm i going up there – well, I'm going up to the Bay Area around Christmas. I'm going to try – now that I have the trade paperback out, I'm going to try to swing by that uh, museum and say, hey, here's a couple of books. Let's, you know, let's put them out there. Might as oh, well, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. yeah. I mean, the guy that runs it's as nutty as a fruitcake, but what the hell, you know? <laughs> Got it. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's another thing. Is like people that didn't grow up in the 70s, they didn't see the bionic, bionic man fighting Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't. Yeah. They never saw that Saturday morning TV show, Bigfoot and Wild Boy. They don't realize what a cultural touchstone that is for guys yeah. our age. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah when, we were, you, when we were young, it was absolutely a possibility. I mean, we all believe that. Bigfoot exists, but it was like a, a, a no kidding possibility. Like, there's a thing called Bigfoot out there. And, yeah. And now everybody was, just yeah. passes it off. Yeah. The era before, you know, you could really slow everything down, really look at it, run it through the computer a little bit, clear yeah. it up a little, you know. Yeah. It's uh, the era <laughs> the of. Tighten up the shot. Enhance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> CSI Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, hey, so the way Paul, because Paul literally texted me, he sent me a link, and then it said Bigfoot plus Conan mm-hmm. plus Flash Gordon. Yeah. And that was literally, that. that's what nailed me. But as I was reading your book, you know, what it made me think of was John Carter of Mars. Yeah, I uh, I actually kind of shied. Uh, when I first started writing it, I was actually calling it Bigfoot of Mars. Mm-hmm. And in 2009, that's when Disney greenlit the John Carter movie. And so when they first announced it, it was John Carter of Mars. This is before they changed the name just to John Carter. And I was like, yeah. uh, I gotta, I have to come up with something else. You know, I couldn't call it John or uh, Bigfoot of Mars anymore. So yeah, so it's a pure, you know, it's what definitely influenced by the whole John Carter of Mars, Princess of Mars, all of that. Right. Yeah, so you know that's why I was like, uh, you know, and then once that movie kind of I don't want to say it flopped, but it wasn't as big uh, a hit that they wanted. I, I believe fizzled. Yeah, in the term. yeah, and it was a great movie. I really enjoyed it. But uh, once it kind of you know went by the wayside, I was like, you know what? More people 
uh, Conan and Flash Gordon definitely resonate more with people. So I just stuck with that. Oh, yeah. Well, and like I said, as soon as I heard those, I'm on board. Yeah. You know, but I'm on board. You know, you could have said Bigfoot is John Carter of Mars, and I would have been like, <laughs> here's my money still. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it believes in uh, anybody can use that character nowadays, isn't it? Or am I- Well, here's here's what it is, is that the trademark is owned by Disney, but the original novels and the character are public domain in America and the U.K., I believe. Okay, okay. Um, so you could, yeah, you could put out a book <laughs> with a different title that is the identical to the interior of um, Edgar Rice Burroughs' Princess of Mars. Yeah, yeah. There you go. You just have to change the title. Yeah. You know. Done and done. <laughs> you know? That's why I usually see like a five ninety nine anthology. Yeah. The first three books. That's that's what that is. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. Um. So how? Okay. So you did you self publish initially? Yeah. I. Uh... So, yeah, so back in 2009, I started doing it, and once I actually started looking for an artist, um, so I went to, uh, so UCLA actually had a writer's program for comic books, and I was like, once I came up with the idea for this, I was like, you know what, this is a comic book, and I knew that it wasn't going to be, you know, film, television, anything like that, and so I wanted to get the format down. Luckily, UCLA had a, you know, comic book writing course at the time, so I took that, workshopped the idea, uh, wrote the full six issues before you try and find an artist. Mm-hmm. And then once I actually decided, you know what, I'm going to go for it. Uh, most pitches will do five to 10 pages, but I knew I could really sell it to people with the whole first issue done. So right. uh, once I actually started looking for an artist, I uh, put out an ad on digital webbing and had about 85 people throughout the world respond to, to the ad. And found Andy. He was like on the second day of the ad. Andy Taylor is the artist mm-hmm. on it. And he responded. And I loved his style. He's got this nice, cool little animated, uh, kind of a quirky style at the time. And so I went with him. And we were going to pitch it to other publishers first. And it was my first book. Andy had done a couple of anthology tales. But his name hadn't really gotten out there as well. So I can see why nobody, you know, they saw my name, like, who's this clown writing a Bigfoot book? And so as a result, nobody responded to this book. And that's when I made the decision to uh, go ahead and self-publish it. And once that happened, I was like, oh, I need to come up with a name for it. What's, you know, what do I love to do? I didn't want to call it, you know, Bigfoot Comics or anything like that. Didn't want to go with, like, a cutesy animal name because there are tons of, like, a lot of monkey comics, you know, monkey, right. yeah. monkey, monkey brains, <laughs> ape comics. I'm like, I got to shy away from that. Um, what do I love? Well, I love beer. You know, I'm a big craft beer guy. So I decided to call it Brewhouse Comics. And uh, that's we, where that came from. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> so we self-published. I said, we, we, I self-published, you know, put up the money for all six issues. Uh, through Andy, I was able to find Tamara, who is the colorist. Uh, Tamara Bondrelin. She uh, is the colorist on it. Who's, Wait, I'm, I'm sorry. What was the last name? Her name is Bondvillain. Bondvillain? B-O-N-V-I-L-L-A-I-N. Almost Bondvillain, yeah. yeah. That is almost the pimpest fucking last name I've <laughs> ever heard. Greatest last okay. name ever, I think. Um, that is really good. Yeah, and she, out of the three of us, she's blown up. Now she's coloring uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. 
Oh, uh, wow. Okay. She does Wayward, which is uh, Jim, uh, Jim Zubbs, his books. Great book. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, she is uh, exploded. Um, totally she lucky. She did a great job on this, too. Yeah. That's the thing about, like, I try to tell people about colorists. Um, you can have great art. But it makes it phenomenal art once you have the right colorist for it. Um, and it, yeah, it just brings everything together. I mean, I could draw, you know, I get my little stick figure or something. <laughs> she could come along and color it, and people would buy it, and it would look amazing. Yeah, would, no, the coloring, uh, the coloring in this book is really good. I mean, overall, I love the writing, the art, yes. all together. But the coloring really does stand out. Yeah, yeah. Did she? She also did your uh, your cover image of the silhouette yeah. of Bigfoot. Right. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. So Andy, uh, I think that was the last image of the first issue. Once we did the first issue, okay. Now, now we, I'm like, well, now we get to do a color, a cover, and pitched him on, you know, a couple of uh, some some cool silhouette thing. So yeah. So he did the uh, the pencils and inks on that. She came up, you know, colored the rest of it, and yeah, it, it looks phenomenal. Oh, the cover's amazing. It, it really does. Yeah. Uh, Oh, let me. I, I needed to ask this. The fonts for your title were those stock fonts, or did somebody make that title for no, you? No, it's uh, so uh, Tim Daniel. This is a weird. It's like a Bigfoot has touched a lot of people who've moved on and gone, you know, to bigger and better things. Uh, Tim Daniel created the font for. Uh, well, I don't know if he created the font, but he did the whole title, the Bigfoot mm-hmm. Sword of the Earth Man, and he also created the uh, the lo- my the Brewhouse Comics logo. Okay. Okay. Um, and Tim Daniel, he does the book. He writes uh, Enormous, which is done. It was originally done by Image. There was a one shot, and now it's done by Two Fifteen Inc. out of New York. And he does. Uh, oh, what was the book? Boom did a book where he wrote it with that Michael Morrissey. Um, I think it involved like vampires or not vampires, werewolves. I'm drawing a blank at the name. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to look it up because I wouldn't know it off the top of my head. Yeah, but he, so he's yeah he's writing a lot of stuff, and for a while he I think he's got a book coming out through Heavy Metal. Um, mm-hmm. It hasn't been released yet. It's right called Atoll, A T O L L Atoll. Um, but yeah, he's a phenomenal you know stuff too, and he started off doing a lot of logo design and general designs on like Brian Michael Bendis's books. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. I think he did the logo for Morning Glories, like their font. Oh, you know, wow. Whole... Okay. So, yeah, so I, I uh, early on I ran into J- Jason McNamara. I'm, like, throwing out names, let's say. <laughs> uh, Jason McNamara, who did the Martian Confederacy, ran into him in uh, San Francisco. And I was just, like, talking to him about, you know, hey, here's my little Bigfoot book. And he's like, yeah, what you really need is a good logo that stands out, and he's like, well, let me give you a name of somebody, and he gave me Tim Daniel, his uh, address, or his uh, email address, and so I emailed him, and he's like, yeah, you know, yeah, I'll do it, this sounds cool, and I offered, I'm like, hey, what do I, how much does this cost, and he goes, ah, just get published, and so I, I actually, once the book was published and stuff, I sent him a bunch of beer. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so that was the uh, the long story of the uh, the logo design. As well. Okay. Well, so now I'm, I'm going to kind of change gears on everybody a little bit here. Um, you hadn't done a comic book. This was your first one. But what was it? You live in the L.A. area, right? Yeah. Okay. So were you going out there to try to get into entertainment or 
Yeah. Is that I? Uh, okay. Yeah. So I was originally um, originally from Iowa. Uh, graduated from the University of Iowa. You know, went to the took the uh, like every writing course I could out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, took a lot of screenwriting stuff, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna move out to L.A. I'm gonna try to get into screen. I tried to was gonna go to film school at first. Came out here, went to two semesters, and I realized I didn't want to do the production end of stuff. Okay. Uh, kind of the lazy way out. I was like, ah, I don't want to do manual labor kind of stuff. <laughs> um, so I started taking writing courses through UCLA and took a bunch of screenwriting courses trying to do that. Like I said, once I had the idea for this, I was like, you know what? This is not – And I've always been a, a comic book fan, a comic – every now and then I would – write like little just little comic book stuff never published anything never sought out a uh a, a an artist for it but once i had the idea for bigfoot i was like yeah this is a comic book i need to figure out how to do this yeah but yeah yeah so that's why i ended okay. up in la anyway <laughs> yeah well i was just curious about that because usually if you're in la you're not there because corporate sent you over to help your toilet shipping job it's yeah. usually <laughs> oh yeah, don't get me wrong usually there. the day gig is definitely a, a corporate gig but you know it helps mm-hmm. pay the bills <laughs> well sure hey, do you mind do you mind saying what it is or kind of what what industry you're in it is the exact opposite of anything creative it is in finance banking there you uh-huh. go okay yeah. that makes sense in los angeles yeah. too yeah yeah so, um, I mean, without having to put a whole, because one of the things I hope people listening, if they're considering self-publishing, I hope they kind of come away from our show when we talk to people who've done it with some idea of all the work that goes into it and the fact that you can have an awesome idea for a comic book and a finished product, yet you still need to pay the rent next month. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's one of the things yeah. I tell people. Uh, a lot of people are like, what's one bit of advice you can tell people early on? And I'm like, start saving your money. Um, especially if you're a writer, if you're a writer artist and you plan on doing it yourself, like the artwork, then you're, you know, you're way ahead of anybody else. Um, but if you're a writer and you have to find an artist, you're going to, that's going to cost you money. Colorist's going to cost you money. Paper, if you want to print it out, that's going to cost you a ton of money. So I tell people just, you know, just tuck a little bit away as you are going along and that'll, you know, once you actually like, all right, I'm ready. Then all of a sudden the prices come in. And you're like, whoa! At least you have a little cushion. Exactly. So when you did you uh, do pr- traditional printing or did you go to print on demand? Um, kind of give us an idea of yeah. when you were ready to go to print what you did. I probably did everything you shouldn't do. So at least it's a learning experience. <laughs> That's the way but, I tend to do yeah. things. So yeah. For the for the first issue, I did traditional printing. I did offset, which which is called offset printing. And I found a printer in here in L.A., um, and it was their first comic book. They'd never done a comic book, but they did, like, The Hollywood Reporter, a lot of magazines. So, I mean, they're set up for that. And this is the old, you know, you go into their – it's a, like a whole warehouse, the giant machines, and, like, the kind of machines you want to where we all stop the presses, you know, that exactly. kind of stuff. 1940s newspapers. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so that's – <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so they print that kind of stuff. I, I went to them to print out, you know, the first issue just because I knew I would always be able to sell that first issue at conventions. Uh, whether or not people would buy, you know, issues two through six, I knew I could get them with that first issue by saying, hey, it's Bigfoot with a broadsword. And they'd go, oh, you know what, I'll try. I'll try, Give me one issue. You know, I'll buy that. And it's autographed and it's a number one. Kid. Yeah. Sign up yeah. right here. Come on. So, uh so yeah, so I went with offset printing on that first issue, and which is you know with offset, the more you print, 
the cheaper it gets. So that yep. first upfront cro- uh, upfront cost is expensive. So I mean, it, it uh, you know if you're like oh, I only want 100 issues, it's going to cost you like three grand just for the setup alone to get it going. Uh, yeah. And then you know like okay, well, if you print you know 500 copies, if you print a thousand copies, it starts going you know down like so at uh, 3,000 copies, I got the price down to 91 cents per issue. I could have done 10,000 copies and then got it down to 50 cents. And I'm like, what am I going to do with 10,000 copies of a big football? <laughs> so, yeah, so I printed a 3,000 copies offset for issue number one. And then issue number two through six, I ended up doing uh, digital printing through, uh, it's called RA Comics Direct. And they've been amazing. Absolutely outstanding. Nice. That was RA Comics Direct? Yeah. I just want to make sure I get all this for the links. Oh, yeah. R- yeah, RA Comics direct yeah or, well that's one of the things um i just talked to a guy over the weekend named ben cohen and he's a cartoonist he self-publishes one book a year and he teaches courses in how to make a comic book from writing to illustrating the whole bit and we we kind of hit like how it used to be you had to go offset yeah. it was gonna cost you you had yeah. to do five thousand copies and there wasn't an alternative and then about 15 years ago with technology moving it changed. Now you can, or you you can do some other ways. Now you may have to sell a twenty-two page book for eight ninety-nine, depending on the method you find. <laughs> yeah. But you've got options. Yeah, so how big was your how big was your print run for the first book? Uh, first one uh, is three thousand copies. You have any left? Uh, I do. I've got a few left. Um, that uh, yeah, I probably have about you know, probably about seven hundred copies left. Okay. Yeah. And it's, yeah, mostly it was uh, going to conventions, selling there. Uh, I had an online store via storeenvy.com. That's a great little, uh, it's kind of like, you guys familiar with Etsy? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I would say it's almost exactly like Etsy, where it's a lot of uh, craft people, uh, a lot of alternative, like punk, like punk scene kind of stuff, people selling that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, so I went through them. That's, I had my online store, so. Yeah. yeah. Now you're on Amazon. That's I mean. Yeah, that's uh, that's no, all no, no, Action no. Lab. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's where I got my my copy. Yeah. Of well, yeah, and like I said, the night that Paul told me about it, um, well, <laughs> I bought eight bottles of wine that night, and I, <laughs> I, I know six of them were empty by the time I got home. Um, I know when the pictures. Actually, stuff. <laughs> oh, well, exactly. I actually, I, I here's the thing. I wanted to read it that weekend. So yeah. I sat down and I looked at Amazon and I'm like, for 20 bucks, I can have it. What would it have been Monday? Yeah. Or for 10, I can have it right now. Yeah. So I still need to buy a print copy. But you know, the other thing I did was I actually bought a copy, totally cold out of nowhere for a filmmaker up in uh, Vancouver who I had just uh, interviewed for the show who made a movie called Patterson's Wager, that if you ever needed uh, a date night movie for the missus or a partner of some kind, yeah. and, they're, and and the a Bigfoot showing up randomly somewhere in the story isn't going to bother him, show him that movie. Oh, nice. I will check that out. Yeah, yeah it's called Patterson's Wager. You can rent it for like five bucks um, on Amazon, I believe. Yeah, that's yeah. you can rent it for like five and buy it for ten. Yeah, so yeah. Check Definitely it out. a big fan. So. Yeah. yeah. Hey, man, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> yep. Well, that's that's kind of one of the things. This this show started because my wife got sick of hearing me talk about Star Wars last December. 
and it's kind of grown. I mean, me and Paul get together once every other week or so and still talk comics and movies and that sort of thing. But it's kind of grown from that to more being about independent creators. Yeah. I'd say once a week, that's probably what yeah. we focus on. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Which is good. That's kind of what I enjoy. Yeah. I can find these small movies and f- small web series and hopefully share them, not just with people who might listen, but with other creators who come on and go, oh, hey. By the way, I know you're into Bigfoot and beer, and so is this guy. Yeah, you know? and that's cool yeah. that it's like it's not you're not pigeonholed like one thing. You're like, you know what? Anything that I find cool, I'm I'm gonna seek these people out and talk to them. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, Jeremy, you asked me the other day. We we're talking about like a creator comic book because I'm your your comic book buddy. Yeah. And you're like, who should we you know try to contact? And Josh, you are literally the very first person. I recommended. I'm like, you need to try to get a hold of this guy because nice, nice. his trade paperback just came out a couple of years ago. I promised him when the trade came out, I would buy it. And you were the first person I recommended to try to get in contact with <laughs> because Very I cool. could. I was so excited to see that the trade came out because I've been waiting for years. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Hey, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> what was the What was the convention that you you were at? I want to say it was Comic Con. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was probably three years ago. Okay. Were you, at, yeah, were you, were you, were you to San Diego? I've uh, I've never tabled at San Diego, but I've been going the last four years. Um, and so it was like, not this past year, but last year was when Action Lab announced it. Well, um, maybe it was, did you go to Big Wow or Kamikaze? Kamikaze, yeah. I definitely so, had a table at Kamikaze. It was Kamikaze then. Oh, okay. It was definitely Kamikaze then. Yeah, because I remember speaking to you at your table, and my, my son was there, and he thought it was the coolest thing, and thank you for making me a super cool dad, because I told him we were going to talk to you today, and he thought I was, like, the coolest person ever. So, uh, <laughs> so thanks for agreeing to talk to us. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I always get a kick yeah. out of it. Especially, yeah, especially if, you know, people digging on comic books, beer, uh, Bigfoot, anything like that. I'll, I mean, yeah. Bigfoot and beer, I mean, is there two <laughs> better things on earth? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> If you throw in faith no more, you got it all oh, covered there you right go. there. Epic, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so speaking of beer, you're a big beer guy, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge beer guy. So what's your beer of choice right now? Uh, the one I'm drinking right now, it's called uh, Great Uncle George, and it's by Mumford Brewing, and they're out of uh, Los Angeles. Relatively new. I think they're maybe a year and a half old, maybe just a year. Uh, it's a Russian Imperial Stout. About uh, clocks in at about 13%. So it's, a, it's a slow drinking one. <laughs> yeah, I love my stouts for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's, you, that's my go to style are porters and stouts. Yeah. Do you brew your own beer? I have. Um, I haven't brewed any lately. It's been probably about a year and a half, two years uh, since I brewed anything. But I have all the equipment. It's right now. I keep wanting, like, you know what? I should brew something, print out a bunch of labels that have you know bigfoot sword of the earth man on it and slap it on there and give it away to people yeah you should call it bigfoot stout of the earth man <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> beer that would actually that would be awesome yeah, yeah. i would buy that <laughs> yeah well tonight i actually stopped by bevmo on my way home and i was gonna grab a bigfoot themed beer uh in in celebration of tonight's uh topic and I went through every one on the list I could find, and they didn't have any of them. I'm surprised they didn't have any of uh, Sierra Nevadas. Uh, that yeah. was the first one I asked yeah. for, was their barley wine. Uh, and they're like, no, 
Matter of fact, we can't even order that here anymore. What about Great Divide? The Yeti Imperial Stout. Oh, I didn't look for that one. I looked for one. I looked for another one that was called Sasquatch something. Six Rivers, maybe? I think that was it. It was Six yeah. Rivers. I know my. But instead, when I, I went with Iron Maiden's The Trooper. Oh, there you go. Yeah, they're uh, that's an import, isn't it? Uh, well, it's made in the UK. Yeah. It's made in Cheshire, I believe. Well, let's see here. I would guarantee it's probably imported by the Shelton Brothers. They're a big importer. Uh, yeah, I don't see it on. Uh, Art- Artisanal Imports Inc., Austin, Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah, How is that? I've never I've I've seen it everywhere, but I've never never picked it up. You know, it's it's not bad. I mean, I could probably find you a uh, a good brown beer that was a little better, a little bit lower price point. Yeah, but it, but it doesn't have Eddie on the can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm a fucking I'm a fucking mate. <laughs> fan, so you know. Did you have you tried the uh, the ACDC beer? I have not. I, I, I have not. Yeah, I haven't either. I've seen it, but I'm like ah. <laughs> You know what? To be fair, I just went through a whiskey phase, so my trying a bunch of different beers really got curtailed yeah. quite a bit. Um, and the, before that, I was going through a wine thing, so I haven't really gotten experimental with beers for a few years. Yeah. Um, but I am. I think this next coming year, I'm going to try to do some, uh, you know, brew my owns. Oh, it's a, yeah. It's a, yeah. The problem with brew your own is I'm thirsty now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and you definitely need to devote at least a full day for brewing. And then you got to wait for like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's that's rather labor intensive. Yeah. You know, like I said, I get thirsty quick. <laughs> I might do it just because everywhere I go, all they sell is IPAs. That's like this, the beer that everybody drinks now. And I'm not. Yeah. I'm not um, hey, Josh. Josh, how do you feel about IPAs? Uh, I, I mean, there's there is no bad beer. Um, so IPAs, I love a good chewy IPA, like a rye IPA. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. It's my, it's not my favorite style, but I appreciate a good one every now and then. I have to be in the mood for it. Like if I'm having pizza, my go-to style is an IPA. IPAs go uh, great with pizza. One of the problems I've had with IPA recently, well, probably in the last like four or five years, is people uh, confuse hoppy and dairy flavor with complex. Yeah. And, and so they just go, like, over the top with that, mm-hmm. and it's not quite what I'm looking yeah. for. Yeah. Like, they'll throw in, you know, throw in some few, a few hops, and then they'll dry hop it at the end, and you're drinking, it's like, oh, my God, I'm, like, chewing on lawn clippings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, 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 well, you get that, and you also get that, just that super lactic flavor yeah, as well. Yeah, uh, It's almost just like, you know, bad cheese or something. Yeah, that's one of the, the things I've, I've, like, the Belgian style for a while when it first, like the whole big craft beer boom, the latest craft beer boom. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them were like, we're brewing Belgian styles. And a lot of them tended to be too caramel kind of like flavor to me, which mm-hmm. was a big turnoff. And that kind of, kind of goes with the, you know, not quite a lactose flavor, but is that overly yeah. sweet? Yeah. Um, and I didn't care for that too much. Um, but, uh, yeah. I don't know. That's my two cents on Belgian styles. Now that I've <laughs> well, yeah, but, but anything that deals, yeah, anything that deals with the palate is very delicate. Yeah, yeah. I love, yeah, I love pairing it with you know whatever meal you're having. I'm like, oh, what would go great with this? You know, um, so that's how I hit on you know like on uh, pizza, pizza and IPAs. Oh, that's, that's that next level stuff right there. Yeah, yeah. Cool. See me, for me, I mix beer with whiskey usually. Oh yeah. 
That's your chaser. <laughs> well, sometimes I just like to drop the shot glass right into the pint glass. Hey, that's the old old school. Uh, did you ever see? Uh... Oiler maker. Yeah, I was gonna say bad news bears. That's what he yeah. looking at the park. That's what he did. <laughs> yep, I'm not that delicate. Uh. <laughs> Actually, there's a uh, there's a whiskey maker down there in L.A. now called. Uh, let's see if I can remember their name. Oh, you were talking uh, about this the other day. Yeah. Oh, slow hand. Okay. And they have one that they call Six Woods. Uh, They're organic, which, you know, when you make booze, I don't imagine it's that hard to make an organic booze. What they do with their uh, Six Woods is they cask it in oak, and then they char and submerge other woods in it. Oh, nice. And when it comes out, it tastes like a forest fire. It is really good. (laughs) So do you – see, that's the one thing I always wanted to get into is whiskey. Um, And so I'm not – I'm just familiar with like the – just the basics of it. Uh, So when you drink something like that, do you have to drink it with ice or water or are you just drinking it? Well, me personally, that one I drink on the rocks. Okay. And I might get like a – just a glass of just soda water with it just to have something to occasionally re-wet the palate. Just to kick right Yeah. Um, my drink of choice when I go out is an old-fashioned with rye. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I think rye, an old-fashioned has sugar, whether it's a sugar cube or a sugar packet or simple syrup. Yeah. And, and rye being a little more bitter balances it out. Yeah. Because younger bartenders tend to make an old-fashioned like it's for their great-grandmother who really <laughs> likes sweets. And it just it's too much. You know? yeah, two yeah. packets of sweet and low. <laughs> exactly. And then we're going to mash up four cherries and put some cherry juice in there. And I'm just like, no, I don't need the diabetes. <laughs> I don't need that at all, right? Yeah. But uh, wait, what was the name of that, that whiskey again? It was Slow Hand? Slow Hand. Slow. And the, the particular one is called Six Woods. They have a white whiskey that's really good, but white whiskeys are real hot up yeah. front. I'm going oh, to seek that out. I'll try that. Well, check it out, because the only place you can get it in a store, as I understand it, is in the L.A. area. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot, tons of great little uh, liquor stores Yeah. out here. Because I, I have to buy it illegally from somebody with a shady catering license to get it. <laughs> I can just ask my brother. He lives down there. <laughs> oh, does he? Yeah, John. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe we'll do that next time. <laughs> yeah. Where, uh, where are both of you guys out of? Paul, you go ahead. Well, I currently live in uh, Abilene, Texas, but I am oh, okay. uh, born and raised in Modesto, where I met Jeremy. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm up here in Modesto, California. Ah, all right. Uh, for those that don't know, George Lucas's hometown. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And Lacey Peterson, but whatever. Uh, Jeremy <laughs> Renner's hometown. We try to skip that, Lacey Peterson. Chandra Levy. Chandra Levy. Yeah. Isn't, uh, is it Cowgirl Creamery? Aren't they kind of out in that area? Cowgirl Creamery. Is that oh, a cheese. strip? No, a cheese place. <laughs> I've never heard of it, but that doesn't mean they're not. Oh, yeah. That's the, yeah, that's the, the three things. Oh, like beer, cheese, and bread. That's a plow. Oh, yeah. See, I'm, a, I'm a big a big cheese guy, too, but I am not a bread person. Oh, man. Oh, really? Which is, Josh, which is funny since my wife makes like 900 bagels a week. <laughs> I love uh, But now I'm in the fridge. I have a uh, sourdough starter. I started it back in I think January, and it's just been going strong. Oh yeah, we got we got one of those too. We named him Carl. Nice. <laughs> I had two, and one was in a giant. Uh, I think it was two quarts, and one was in a small quart or a small. I think it's pint size. Uh, it was Fat Man and Little Boy. 
my two <laughs> nice. And then she was like, ah, screw this, and mixed them up. <laughs> That's good. I don't know how you're not 300 pounds if all you eat is bread, cheese, and beer. Uh, well, I eat, of course, I you know that's that's the weekend. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I used to be pretty big. Then it was uh, then I got a, you know knocked off about 85 pounds. Now it's just about maintaining. You know? Oh wow! So that's impressive. Well, that was um, I would talk to oh, Fred Awanek. He was in the first episode of Monk, and he's the star of Patterson's Wager. Uh, interviewed him a couple weeks back, and he's just a couple years older than myself, and he's very thin still. And he's talking about how much he loves beer, and he makes his own beer. And I'm like, how 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 do you say thin and love beer? He's like, oh, I also play a lot of hockey. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. There you go. Canadians are active. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. So luckily, uh, the day gig has a gym, and so for lunch, I'll go uh, work go. out every day. So That's one of the benefits of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's something you know. Nobody quite preps you that over thirty-two, everything you eat makes you gain five. Yeah, weeks. the whole metabolism thing. Just like you know, what, hey, we're just going to start storing everything. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to hold on to that. Yeah. Uh, Cowgirl Creamery looks like it might be in the San Francisco area. Yeah, I know uh, they have a shop. I want to say Petaluma. They have something, oh, and there okay. was. So I remember one time we went to. Uh, because uh, uh, Jody, my wife, she uh, lit. She grew up in Hayward, San Francisco. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. And her mom gave us for Christmas gave us some like Cowgirl Creamery uh, gift certificates, and we drove past like Skywalker with a Skywalker Ranch. Yeah. Oh, Redwood City. Yeah. yeah. We drove past that to get to whatever that was on the coast. They have some like a little shop kind of thing on the coast. But I can't okay. remember where it was exactly. It looks like it's in Point Reyes. Oh yeah, that sounds. Yeah, they have a, a Point Reyes cheese, so yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's nice up there. Yeah, it's a little north of us. No, that's yeah, that's a little bit. Well, especially north of Texas. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, right? Yeah. So that's um, that's cool. So what's uh, what's next on the docket for you, Josh? Uh, next for me is uh, of course, if the trade really takes off. Uh, then there'll be hopefully more Bigfoot. I no, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it in a way that you can easily have the further adventures of, where it's, you know, one arc stands alone, and then here's the next story. Here's the yeah. next one. Um, after that, or, well, in the meantime, I'm doing, uh, I'm trying the pitch route, where I'll do the five to ten pages and pitch it to various publishers. Well, what I think is nice now is you actually have – you've shown that you can do six books. Yeah, yeah. No problem. I can put out six books. Yeah, yeah. And, that, yeah, that's the one of the benefits of it. It's like no longer – and I've heard this so, from so many people. It's like no longer can you say I want to be you know, a comic book you know, writer and author. Uh, it's now you have. You are. Yeah. You know? yeah. Absolutely. And you can show it to people. So. Yeah, I was gonna say I can I can go pick up my Kindle right now and show you your books. Yeah, you yeah. which a, is you are a comic book writer. And you talk about I mean I was like I said I've as a kid and you know growing up you know in the seventies and eighties reading comic books you know at the you go to the grocery store where you you know the spinner racks all that um, I wasn't prepared for once you once you're actually working on your book as you get the art in I mean you'll make photocopies of it colored photocopies so by the time it's done. You're looking at all these, you know, you go to FedEx or Kinko's or whatever, and you, you've got this printed out book. What I wasn't prepared for was actually putting it into the comic book bag 
As, oh. And I was like, I was, except by the time it was done, I printed it. I'm like, oh, wow, there, it's finally done. I've been working with this. And then you put it in there and that, that nostalgia trip of, holy yeah. crap, this is, you know, I did this as a kid. Now I'm doing it as an adult, but it's mine. That's that, awesome. That was, uh, that was amazing. Well, you should definitely be proud of yourself because it's a great book. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, and now I want more. So yeah. make it happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, just had, I mean, yeah, you can't go wrong with Bigfoot as a barbarian, for starters. And it was just a yeah. fun book. It's not, you know, I didn't set out to change the world. I'm like, you know what? This is Bigfoot, you know, on an alien planet fighting, you know, you know, alien creatures. Yeah, I mean, and that's what this. I mean, that's what I look for. I mean, I read a lot of books, and some of them I feel like it's work when I read it. But when I read yeah. this, I was just like, man, this was just a fun book. And I, yeah, you know, uh, so I, well, I love it, it. There's a framing device that you use that the only thing I can compare it to is the wizard in the movie Conan the Barbarian. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so your little bagworm character next to him, yeah, Master Bagworm. I love the way that he talks so grandiose, and then then Sasquatch is just kind of like quiet and thoughtful. Yeah, he does. Yeah, that was the uh, early on. Like I said, within that first fifteen minutes of seeing that photo, I wrote that opening, and immediately in that opening, I said he was mute, and I stuck with that through six issues of him not talking. And I was like, as I was writing it, I'm like, how do I convey what's going on? in his mind. And then that's when I hit upon the little bagworm character as the narrator. Loved it. And yeah. So all of those little opening, you know, pages that opening crawl, I guess, or scrawl, um, I kind of wrote it in the way that, Hey, these are little stories that bagworm is telling you. And that's why that, you know, that spoiler alert, that six issue, there's no opening. Right. No, I, I mean, I love that, that plot device, like you said. I love the yeah. fact that someone else is narrating the story along, telling you the legend of this of this, uh, you know, the, this Earth, of the man. Earth man. Yeah, yeah it's just great. <laughs> and, and I want to see, you know, how he gets to that first two pages with the yeah. bullets and the sword. And, you know, like, I want to see more of that. So. Yeah. yeah. I hope that's As do I. <laughs> Yeah, well, and that's where my head automatically jumped to Conan, or not Conan, to uh, Tarzan and uh, John Carter, oh, yeah. where I'm like, well, obviously, he's the only immortal on the planet. You know, whatever yeah. kicks off in my head, and I've got, like, this whole story. Where I've already, like, uh, I know how this gets there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, there, there is that thing I do love. You do it well in your book, and they did it well in the Conan the Barbarian movie where I remember talking to people about that movie and going, you do realize there's only like 30 lines of dialogue in that whole <laughs> exactly. half hour, right? <laughs> so that was fantastic. All right, so Josh, are you working on anything now? Or are you kind of waiting to see what happens with this? Um, what, what do you got? Just the, uh, like I was saying, the, uh, the pitches, working on, uh, I have four pitches that I've done. Um, and it was, varies from five to ten pages where various artists, uh, different artists, and uh, also Andy, who uh, artist of Bigfoot, Andy Taylor, we're working on a pitch, another pitch for something entirely different. Um, and we're shopping that around right now as well. Yeah. Too early to really talk about it. Like, oh, it's this idea. Yeah. You know, but uh, Okay, well, when hopefully. you're ready to talk about it, will you come Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I had a blast. This is great. Me too. So let me ask you this then: If people want to go read up about you, find you online, where can they look for you? At? Uh, the easiest place is uh, the website bigfootcomic.com. Uh, I'm surprised it was available. 
So am I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they can go on Facebook. It's Bigfoot Sword of the Earthman. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Josh S. Henneman. And most importantly, you can find me on Instagram, which is 99% beer-related, 1% comic book stuff, and that is uh, Joshua underscore Henneman. Okay. Oh, and you know what? I never even asked. So what was your favorite comic uh, when you were reading or when you were still young or before you made your own books? Uh, my favorite comic, I mean, I started off, uh, with the X-Men, my uncle gave me, uh, right after, I guess it was the Brood Saga, when they when they got back to Earth, he gave me about 12 issues of that run. Nice. Uh, so that started me off, the X-Men and the New Mutants. Um, I'm a big fan of anything written by Keith Giffen, so oh, I gravitate. Huge fan yeah. of Keith Giffen. I think he's the most underrated uh, writer out there. I, like So much he's responsible for, like... The Guardians of the Galaxy now wouldn't have happened if Annihilation hadn't kind of kicked them off and brought them back. And then it was Andy Diggler? No, I can't remember the two guys. Dan Abnett? Yeah. One of them. And Andy Landing? Land yeah, yeah. yeah. They, uh, they kind of, once that, that next wave of uh, Annihilation Conquest, I think was the yeah, sequel, yeah. Uh-huh. then the Guardians of the Galaxy came out of that, but it was... Keith Giffen, who kind of really set the set the bar with uh, Annihilation. I can't even tell you how many times I've recollected his Justice League run. Oh, yeah, that was... I, so I'd started off as a Marvel kid, and mm-hmm. the first issue of a DC book I bought was actually the Suicide Squad and Doom Patrol. They had a one-issue one special. I oh. bought that. And it blew my mind. The Suicide Squad, everybody died in it except Rick Flagg. And I was like, what the, what just happened? And so then I started collecting Suicide Squad and Justice League. And it was uh, Justice League, the issue where Lobo uh, comes back. And at the time, Guy Gardner, I don't know, did you, so you've read the whole opening JLI and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Where Guy Gardner was, he was kind of meek. For a little while, I don't know if he got. Yes. Can't remember if he got hit on the head or something. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a head injury. Oh god. Yeah, and then the next issue, Lobo arrives, crashes through the thing, and it's the whole Guy Garner going, "I'm back." Yeah, yeah, yeah that was awesome. So, yeah. What was it? Was it after? Was it after Batman knocked him out, and the guy went to wake up and he smacked his head or something, and then after that, he was all apologetic. Oh, I'm gonna have to go back. Yeah, yeah. This. yeah. But yeah, that uh, love anything he does, I'll check it out. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, he's yeah. That's great. You're right. Completely underrated. Yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, before I go, if uh, sure. anybody out there like self-publishing and they ever have any questions, I always throw this out. Um, I've done a couple of panels at conventions, and I give people my email address: uh, brewhousecomics at gmail dot com. Shoot me an email if you ever have any questions, because I know so many people are in the same boat that I was, and I'm happy to point them in. Uh, you know, hey, go to this site. This will help you out here. Where do you find a UPC code? Oh, go to here. You know, talk to these people. That's awesome. Yeah. Brewhousecomics at gmail dot com. Okay, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm I'm gonna have to ask you to shoot me some an email with some of your contact. Oh yeah, yeah, just, absolutely. Yeah, just so I can make sure I share it properly in the notes. Oh, no problem. All right, everybody. Well, Paul, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where can they look for you at? I tweet at PaulVier79. 
just retweeting lots of Josh Henneman's uh, tweets. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find the rest. You can find us the rest of the time at geekishcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com/geekishcast. And I tweet from at the geekishcast. Josh, thank you for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Had a blast. It was awesome. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it was great. And, yeah, and Paul, I am going to see Suicide Squad tomorrow morning. It's my birthday, so I took the day off of work. Good. We need to talk about it. Yeah. So we'll, <laughs> well, we'll, do, we'll do that. Happy quickly. birthday. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. After the week I had, I needed a day off in the middle of the yeah, winter. Yeah. This was the time to take it. Um, all right, everybody. Well, we will talk to you again soon. <laughs>